Hey everyone, welcome back to another Plugged In episode on the CPC Podcast. This Plugged In episode is brought to you by Gravity Student Ministries, the youth ministries of Centerpoint Pentecostal Church. We pray that this episode blesses you and challenges you and gives you the answers that you have been looking for for quite some time. I know that this message is going to be anointed and we know that it's going to bless you. So without any further ado, let's get into today's Plugged In episode. All right, y'all. So I feel like I've got a lot to say and not much time to say it. So I'm going to try to do this quickly. And for the sake of brevity, I'm not going to get to tell you the entire story of Samson. And so I encourage you, seriously, go and read this book. Go read his story because his story, it's dramatic. It's jaw-dropping. It's full of intrigue and it's full of action. It's a really, really good story. I'm only going to give you the bare highlights and hopefully I'll be able to make some points as I go through this. So you can be seated. You can be seated. Um, Just so that you guys can be following along, go ahead and turn to Judges chapter 13. So you can kind of follow along as I talk through this. We're going to talk about Samson. So in Sunday school, we've been talking about judges who ruled over Israel. And on Sunday, we actually came up to Samson. And I very conveniently skipped him because I wanted to be able to talk to him, talk about him tonight. So let's talk about Samson. Samson was a judge in the Bible. He was a very strong person. He had supernatural strength given to him by the Lord. He was a man born with clear purpose in a time when Israelites were under oppression by the Philistines because guess what? They had done evil in the sight of the Lord. Who would have thought? Who would have thunk it? The Israelites once again strayed from their godly path and the Lord gave them over to oppression by the Philistines. But now it was time for the Lord to raise up a deliverer. And so the angel of the Lord comes to Samson's mother first and says, hey, you're barren, but you're going to have a kid and you're going to name him Samson and he is going to be a Nazarite. Are you guys familiar with the vow of the Nazarites? That's okay, because we're going to talk about it. So the Nazarite vow is spoken of by God in Numbers chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. I'm not going to read the whole thing, and you don't have to turn there. But just know that the Nazarite vow was a voluntary vow for anyone who felt like they wanted to dedicate more of themselves to God. And in under this vow, you would drink no strong drinks or no alcohol. You couldn't even like eat grapes off the vine. Like it was strict. So no alcohol, don't eat any unclean foods. You had to have completely uncut hair. That's men and women. You were not allowed to come near any corpse or carcass and etc. There, there were more rules, but again, for the sake of brevity. And so the angel of the Lord comes to Samson's mom, who was barren, and says, your son is going to be a Nazarite, but here's the deal. While he is in your womb, you have to abide by the vows of a Nazarite. So you have to abide by these rules while that baby is in your womb. So while Samson's mother carried him, she abode 
by all of those rules that come with the Nazarite vow. And so Samson was born a Nazarite. He was born into a vow, into a lifestyle that he did not choose for himself. Did you get that? He didn't choose that life. God appointed him to that life. That's an important, that's an important point because I feel like that, that applies to us like this. A lot of us were born in the church. Not all of us. I myself am someone who was born in the church. I was born into a life that I did not choose. I was born into a life that was different from the people around me. And because of that, those of you who were born in the church, y'all understand what I'm saying. Because of that, it's really easy for us to look out at the people in the world, the people around us, our friends, our cousins, whomever. And it's easy to say, oh, I have to abide by by this set of rules and and I have to stay away from A, B, and C and not participate in X, Y, and Z. But they get to do all of that. They get to do whatever they want. And it's easy to look at that other side and think that the grass is greener. It is so easy to take your purpose for granted in favor of the pleasures of the world because that's what it looks like, right? In the world, you get to do what you want, say what you want, whatever feels good in the moment, right? And that is so appealing to us. But the life that you and I are called to is a life of purpose and not of pleasure. And that applies to those of you who didn't necessarily grow up in the church as well. I don't want to leave anybody out, anybody else out. I promise you, even if you did not grow up into this, you are called to a purpose. You are called to set aside pleasure, to set aside what your flesh wants, and to chase after the things of God. So Samson is born. If you're following along, we're in 13 verse 24 through 25, and the woman bare a son and called his name Samson. And the child grew and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtol. God was with Samson. Here's the part where we go fast and I skip a lot of really, really, really good details that you really need to go back and read for yourself. All right, I hate to do it, but I gotta. So Samson grows up. And he finds himself a Philistine woman to marry. And he tells his mom and dad, go get her for me to marry. And they're like, don't you want an Israelite girl? But he pushes the issue. He says, no, 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 I want this one. Judges 14 and 6. They are on their journey. I'm going fast, y'all. They're on their journey to go meet up with this Philistine woman when a lion attacks Samson. 14 and 6 says, And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he, he being Samson, rent him, the lion, as he would have rent a kid, as he would have rent a goat. And he had nothing in his hand, but he told not his father or his mother what he had done. So somehow, in, in the family traveling together, a lion attacks Samson, but mommy and daddy don't know it. I don't know how that happened. But the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon Samson. Does that remind you guys of anybody else that I talked about a couple weeks ago? Saul, right? Talking about the Spirit of the Lord coming. And that word come means to push towards, to press towards. It's a call to action, right? So the Lord equipped Samson to deal with the lion. Okay. 
Sometime later, after having met the girl and saying, yeah, I like her, great, I'm going to marry her. Sometime later, they make the same journey again. Judges 14, 8 through 9. And after a time, he returned to take her, and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. This is the same lion that he had killed in the first journey. And behold, there was a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass of the lion. Now listen to this. And he took thereof in his hands and went on eating and came to his father and mother and he gave them and they did eat. But he told them, he told not them that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. First of all, ew. Gross. <laughs> I mean, can, can you imagine... Can you imagine the, the decay that he would have had to sift through to pull that honey out of the carcass? Second of all, did you catch where the honey came from? A carcass. He wasn't supposed to touch it, right? Right then and there, without him seeming to even realize it, he broke his Nazarite vow by touching the carcass to take the honey. But not only did he touch the unclean thing to get the sweet honey, but he then brought it to mom and dad. And he did not even tell them where he had gotten this seemingly sweet thing. Here's the lesson there. It matters what you let into your little sphere of influence. It matters what you choose to participate in, what you choose to bring into your house, to bring into your temple, to bring into your life, because you are not only bringing that thing into your life, but you're going to bring it into the lives of the people around you. And you can very easily lead your friends and your loved ones into sin if you are involved in things, touching things that you don't need to be messing with. Samson was too busy finding pleasure in the honey to even give a thought to his purpose. It seemed, it seemed that Samson was, was taking it for granted, right? The Bible, the Bible doesn't say that he came to himself and said, oh no, I just, I just messed up. I'm sorry, Lord. The, no, the Bible says that he went on eating. Not a care in the world. He seems to be reckless with the gift that he's been given and the, the vow that he's been born into. Is it, is it possible that the Lord had chosen Samson and the Lord had given him purpose, but Samson himself had not yet chosen the Lord, nor had he chosen that purpose? Because when you and I are born into a purpose, I'll go back to my first example, those of us who were born in this church, you tell me, there came a point when you had to decide for yourself, is this the way that I'm going to live? This is what mommy and daddy taught me. Maybe this is what grandma and grandpa did, but do I want this for myself? Do I accept this purpose at the cost of all of this pleasure that I'm looking at? And even those of you who didn't grow up in church, there came a point when you came to God, however it happened, you came to God and you made the decision, I've been here and I've been doing this for however long, but this, this is what I want. And you had to make a choice. 
God, I want what you have for me. Not where I've been, not what I've been doing, not what's comfortable for me, but God, what you have for me. Your purpose is what I want. Despite Samson's reckless attitude, God did use him through a series of events. Again, not going into details, but through a series of events, Samson gets married, gets really, really uh, self-confident, gets very arrogant, makes a bet at his wedding feast that he then loses. And in his anger, Judges 14 and 19, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he went down to Ash Ashkelon and slew 30 men of them and took their spoil and yada, yada, yada. He paid off the bet that he had just lost by taking their spoil. So the lion and the honey, he gave the men at his wedding feast a riddle. I don't remember it word for word, but the, the answer was honey in a lion carcass. And he thought to himself, oh, they'll never figure it out. But his wife tricked him into giving her the answer, which she then gave to her brethren. And so that is how he lost the bet. But in his anger, he went and slew 30 men. Now this was, Ashkelon was an enemy, an enemy group. So the Lord still used it in favor of the Israelites because remember, they were under oppression, right? They were in slavery. They were, they were mastered. They were lorded over. But when Samson was through with his temper tantrum, he comes back home to his wife only to find that she has been given to one of his friends. His wife is no longer his wife. It's a good story. You should read it. <laughs> okay? And so, so Samson, he's a guy with a temper. He's a, he's a self-assured, real arrogant type. He's like, he's like, if you were not a wonderful person, he'd be like you. He's buff, he's big, he's bad, and he knows it, and he's got a temper tantrum. You know what I mean, you know what I mean. Okay, okay. <laughs> you're, you're the strongest guy that I can think of. <laughs> Judges 15, 4 through 5. I'm not going to read it verbatim, but I'm telling you, the story of Samson is nuts. He gets so angry at the Philistines that he goes and he catches 300 foxes. Listen. He catches 300 foxes. He ties their tails together. He lights them on fire. And he sends them running through the Philistine crops. What? What? Excuse me? This guy, this guy had a bad temper. This guy had a bad attitude. And the Philistines naturally are angered by the actions of Samson. So they set themselves against Israel. And the Israelites are like, oh no, they're coming against us. Oh no, they're, they're, they're going to hurt us. And the Bible says that Judah, Judah feared the Philistines. And so 3,000 from the tribe of Judah come to Samson to bind him. His own brothers, his own brethren came to bind him. And they said, Samson, what are you doing? Don't you know that the Philistines are our rulers? Don't you know that they're, they're our masters? What are you doing? Why are you upsetting them? 
And so Samson allows them to bind him. But in chapter 15, verses 14 through 15, and when he came unto Lehi, the Philistines shouted against him. And again, the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him and the cords that were upon his arms became as flax that was burnt with fire and his bands loosed from off his hands and he found a new jawbone of a donkey and put forth his hand and took it and slew a thousand men therewith. Uh-huh. Here's the thing though. Here's the thing that I want you to see. So three three times now and and again we are we are we are skipping over so many details so much good stuff. But three times now we have seen an instance where the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon Samson and he did something remarkable. Like superhuman stuff. But guess what? This was not Samson's strength that he was doing all of these things with. Samson's strength was not inherent. It wasn't a part of him like, I don't know, like Superman. He wasn't just strong at three o'clock in the morning when he can't sleep and he goes to warm up a cup of milk and he shatters the glass in his hand. Like, he wasn't strong all the time. He wasn't superhuman all the time. Samson was only strong when the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, when the anointing hit Samson, when God moved Samson, when God pushed him, gave him that call to action, the same call to action that he gave to Saul prior, okay? Like I taught the other day, the same move of God is what gave him his strength. Samson was not strong. But God was strong through Samson because he chose purpose over pleasure. Now, ultimately, the story of Samson is a tragic one. In the end, we know that Samson falls for a woman named Delilah. And again, she was not an Israelite. She was a foreigner. Uh, talk about you know being unequally yoked. There's a whole lesson there. He shares with her the secret of his power, which was his uncut hair, and she causes him to fall asleep in her lap, and while sleeping in the lap of the enemy, she has his hair cut. And the Bible says that the power left him, and he did not know it. His strength was gone, and he couldn't even feel it. And you want to know why? Because he took the strength that God gave him for granted. He took the gift for granted. He took the vow that he was born into for granted. He took the lifestyle that he was born into for granted. He took his purpose for granted because in that moment, Samson chose pleasure over his purpose. So when he awakes to an attack of the Philistines, Again, he doesn't know that he's lost his strength. He says, oh, I'm going to get up. I'm going to shake myself off, and I'm going to deal with these Philistines just like I have in the past, and he's unable to. Judges 16 and 21. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes. They plucked both of his eyes out. I have a point, y'all, I promise. They put out his eyes, 
and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass. Fetters are shackles, with shackles of brass. And he did grind in the prison house. They put him to, to menial labor. Wow. How, how far to fall. Am I right? Here's the thing. Samson had a gift. He had a calling. He had a purpose. He did incredible things when God moved through him and not so incredible things when he did things his own way. Hebrews 2 and 3 says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? Samson didn't protect what he had, his vow, his gift, his relationship with the Lord. He did not protect it. He did not protect his salvation. He took it for granted, and then he fell into the lie that his strength was free. It had happened so many times for him at this point that he had felt that strength flow into his body and that he had done something incredible that he began to believe that it was free. And that it didn't cost him anything. He didn't have to do anything special. He didn't have to take care for his gift. He didn't have to take care for the salvation that had been given him. And your salvation is not free either. Your gifts, your callings, your purpose. When God moves, and I know that you've all felt it at one point. When you feel the anointing of God, maybe... Maybe you feel this pull to go pray with somebody and you do it and it's anointed and you feel so good afterwards. You're like, man, I, I did what I was supposed to do. I fulfilled God's voice that I, that I felt pulling me. It feels good, but don't ever believe the lie that that's free. And don't, don't ever believe that you don't have to pay a cost for your gifts and for salvation. Let me see if I can make this make sense, y'all. Matthew 13, 45 through 46 says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, one pearl, went and sold all that he had and bought it. What does that mean? That means that getting to heaven, my relationship with God, getting that crown when I finally get over yonder, all of that is worth anything, any price that I could pay, anything that I could give up, any, any number of habits that I can lay down, any number of pleasures that I can put down and lay down in this life to seek after the purpose of God, to seek after the calling of God, and to seek after his salvation is worth it. Anything that we have to give up. So many people, they get the Holy Ghost and they get baptized in Jesus' name and they stop there. And while those two things are required for salvation, that is not completeness in salvation. That's not, that's not the complete picture. Yeah, you'll have the Holy Ghost. Yeah, your sins will be forgiven. But if you don't press and push and chisel some things off of you and allow God to mold you, 
if you don't get rid of some things, if you don't sacrifice time in prayer, if you don't sacrifice time in studying, if you don't build an altar in your spiritual life, you will never get anywhere. Roots are not grown when you get the Holy Ghost. They're not grown when you get baptized. You're, I believe that you are planted when you get the Holy Ghost and you're planted when you get baptized. But if I just take a plant with its little bitty, little bitty sticky little roots and I put it in some soil and I just kind of pat the soil around it and a, a storm comes through, is that plant going to make it? No. No. Why? Because the roots of that plant were not deep enough. The only way for you and me to make it to heaven, to make it through this life, and to make it into a deeper relationship with God is to go deeper, to seek after the things of God. And this, this seeking for purpose, this seeking for salvation, it's an action. It's not something that's just going to come to you and just going to happen. You have to put the pedal to the metal and make it happen. Acts 2, 2 and 40 says, and with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. 1 Timothy 4 and 16, take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Philippians 2 and 12, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You have before you purpose from God, which is costly. It's going to, if you want it, if you want the blessings, if you want the anointings, if you want the deeper relationship with God, if you want miracles, signs, and wonders, and we all say that we do, but if you truly want that, you're going to have to pay a price. That goodly pearl that you have found is not going to be given to you for free. You have to be willing to push and to press and to go to places in God that make you uncomfortable. You're going to have to be willing to be uncomfortable. Or you have the pleasure. You can say, God, got the Holy Ghost, been baptized. I don't think I want to go any further. And you can choose pleasure. This world's full of it. But let me tell you that the pleasure of this world, the pleasures of sin, are just for a short time. And after sin is done with you, it'll chew you up, spit you out. And when you finally come back to God, you'll be broken. And you don't have to do that. You don't have to go through that. If you just choose purpose over pleasure, if you allow God to take you from where you are, to pull you deeper, if you say, God, there's nothing in this world that I could be a part of or that I could gain that is worth losing out on a relationship with you. God, whatever you're calling me to, whatever uncomfortable thing it is that you want me to do, God, being in your will is worth anything that I have to give up. Lord, I will not neglect your purpose in my life for the pleasures of this world. And let me close with this. Samson's had his eyes plucked out. The Lord has departed from him. He no longer has 
the supernatural strength that he once did because he chose pleasure over purpose. He did not nurture his roots. He did not take care of that vow that he had, that lifestyle with God. He didn't take care of it. And so the Philistines are making sport of him. They're making fun of him. They're holding a big banquet, a feast. There's like 3,000 people there. And they've got him tied up between two pillars. And he begs the person near him. He says, please, let me just touch the pillars so I can feel where I'm at. And so they do. So he's holding these pillars. And he cries to the Lord. And he says, let's see. He says, O God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. And in his last humbling of himself, in his last repentant spirit, God gives him the strength back. He grabs the pillars, crashes them, and he dies along with the 3,000 with her. And in his death, he killed more Philistines than he had in his life. And he's taken up and he's buried. And he did, in his lifetime, he did judge over the Israelites for 20 years. But can you imagine what Samson could have been? What he could have done? All of the victories that Israel could have had had he simply chosen to fuel his purpose, to feed his purpose, to get rooted and to take care of that relationship that he had with God over the pleasures of this world. On behalf of Gravity Student Ministries, thank you so much for checking out today's Plugged In episode. If you're ever in the Centerpoint, Louisiana area and you want to come check out one of our services in person, we have them every Wednesday night, 7.05 p.m. in the Upstairs Youth Sanctuary at Centerpoint Pentecostal Church. We would love to have you be a part of us. In the meantime, though, hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll see you on the next Plugged In episode. See you later.